0: It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us, but if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters
1: most. We are still here! Let us make them remember.
0: We are not afraid. hey, from the BAU People Studios of uh, Phoenix of the Nest, Phoenix Phoenix of the Doc, James Corbett, thecorbettreport.com. get right to it. I tell you, I was watching uh, today your interview, 1465. First off, tell me what that means. Is that 1,465 interviews? Is that how that works?
1: That is indeed, yep. Damn. You
0: know, all right, all right, all right, all right. You got 1465 in the books. Glenn Moody on the European Union Copyright Directive. Now, I want you to tell the audience for me, please, uh, who he is, what makes, he's a writer and journalist and so on, I know, but uh, um, he was saying some pretty scary stuff of what be a common. Go ahead and share with the audience what we learned.
1: Right. Glenn Moody, for those who don't know, he is a writer, he's a journalist. He writes uh, for a lot of outlets, including Tech Dirt, um, which is been covering the EU copyright directive since it was first announced and proposed and then uh, rubber stamped through EU parliament or whatever they call it, Um, which for people who weren't keeping track, you might have heard something about Article 13. And the link tax, but basically, this was in uh, a copyright. Wait, directive wait, 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 wait,
0: that, wait, wait. link tax. I, I did hear something about that. I found that of interest. Go ahead and tell us what that is, real quick. Well you mentioned, I'm just it. getting to that. So, okay. the, the
1: EU copyright directive was uh, one of these pieces of legislation from the EU parliament that uh, seeks to create a directive. it's It's called a directive. So, that legally means that they pass it. And then every state, every European Union member country has to enact it in its legislation in the next two years.
0: And that's and part France of the European like, we're gonna Union?
1: It first, we're going to be the first to comply with this. Oh, okay,
0: so that, th- let's go ahead and explain that. The European Union has enough power that they can direct member states to do something. That's called what? Is there any limitation on that? Is there some like, you know, the country's Supreme Court or something, or somebody says, Nah, or it's just you are a vassal of and you're going to do what we tell you.
1: I, I believe it is part of EU membership. So as long as you're an EU member, you have to comply by these rules. You have to play n- nicely. So the real question is, does the UK have to do this? Actually, interestingly, the UK was one of the countries that was on board with this, pushing it, that could have stopped it if they had decided to veto it after it was uh, after it was passed. They're, they're they going to
0: do it or already done it. They don't need the exactly. EU to tell them what to do. Yeah,
1: interestingly, Boris Johnson, the new the new prime minister, was at the time it was passing, or when it passed, he said, "This is this is horrible, and we're not, we don't like this idea at all." But it was his own conservative party in Britain that was helping to pass it. So, <laughs> well, yeah. so
0: so, what are they now? Are they, you know, uh, the the Brexit? I hear tell that it's supposed to be Halloween. Halloween, it's it. We're out. We're done. we get her done. We're gone. You know, and that elect me, and I'm going to get it done.
1: I believe we, it when I see it. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, what do we think? You know, is that going to happen?
1: <laughs> I am not making predictions on that. I don't. I don't. I don't see it going forward in a straightforward way. No. Um, but hey, I, I've been wrong before. I didn't think Trump was going to win. So, yeah, no, whatever.
0: there's been a lot of there's yeah. Uh, you know, today we did. You know, there's so much to talk about, but I want to get you first. The uh, I went to Freedom Fest. You know, talked with a bunch of guys up there. It was two thirds Trump, big time. I mean. Raise their hand. Build the wall. Okay, this is like a libertarian event thing.
1: Freedom.
0: Yeah, it it was. It was. I tell you, in 2020 summer, it's going to be a thing in Vegas. Freedom fest. You're a Trump guy.
1: We're declared citizens of this particular geographical area as long as they manage to conform to all the checklists of Dr. Frank's culture checklist. Yay, freedom!
0: (laughs) You know, my thing is that you know it's so easy for me to look at this issue, and I'm just going. And I think Doug Casey he made that point. He goes, you know, it doesn't matter. Build a wall, don't build the wall. You're going to get so overwhelmed by financial ruin, <laughs> basically, that uh, it's not going to matter. The walls
1: to keep you in. Newsflash: the wall is to keep you in the plantation.
0: I know. I I, I don't think that. I go. No, I'm just going that way. Is it okay? I'm good. No, 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 no. I'm going that way. No, <laughs> I think we'll decline your request. So well, this he also talked a lot about. Um, uh, Glenn Moody is going on a lot about the tech that they're using, you know, yes, and their right. mindset and so on. Update us a little okay.
1: bit. So let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. Okay. So uh, it's getting confusing because when the directive was was passing, it was called Article 13. Now it's called Article 17, whatever. Um, the point is uh, it would require any service, any online service uh, that has people uploading to it to pre-filter any uploads for copyright violations. and what that means, uh, under the uh, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act in the U.S. and I think the e-commerce directive of two thousand in the EU and all these other legislations that have been passed, the the idea was uh, any any site or any anyone that's operating a platform where uh, users are uploading con- content or even commenting or whatever. Um, As long as as the the platform makes a good faith effort to remove any copyright infringing material when when it's brought to their attention, as long as they're making good faith effort in that, then they're okay. Um, But this is going to flip it around so that, no, anything that ends up on your platform is your problem. It's your fault. Okay, as...
0: YouTube, Facebook, Google, they're saying we got this automated software that's going to check for copyright violation and whatever we don't like and blame the algorithm. And, uh, uh, and that's it's its not a dispute once it's on the platform or, hey, no, I didn't. Yeah, I did. It just doesn't go. I you, you exactly. can't. And here's
1: right. here's the point of it. YouTube. I don't know about Facebook and the others, but YouTube, which is um, one of the main points here already has this. It's called their content ID system. It's been in place for nearly a decade now. Uh, it it filters and puts things. It has basically a database of copyrighted material, and it checks all uploads against it so that when you upload something, it's already automatically checking for that. It already has this pre-upload filter. But at the point that Glenn Moody makes is any startup, any sort of like European competitor to Google or YouTube or whatever, is not going to be able to do this. It requires, I mean, it took tens of millions or however much money. They closed uh, the door behind capital them. investment for YouTube to be able to create the infrastructure to make this system and to keep it compliant and all the, you know, 18,000 legal hoops they have to jump through to make sure that it all works. That's that's the type of infrastructure investment that no startup, no mom and pop is ever going to be able to compete with. Where where have we
0: seen this before, James? I mean, it's always like this. You know, they they, uh, use subsidy, you know, if not just freaking funded by the man. And they create an industry, be it electric, you know, telephone. That was another good one. Telephone, gas, whatever infrastructure, your water system, sewage, whatever it is. They come in, they spend all your money. I want to compete. I can supply that. I can do electricity cheaper. I can, I can, I can. No, you can't because you don't have a permission slip. And, oh, you want to do it? You got to go through all this compliance. Do you got a compliance team of 13 lawyers of compliance with the server, the automatic AI that does the check? Oh, you don't? Well, God, I guess you can't do it. We're so sorry. How far off am I?
1: No, that's exactly it. And that's what I've been screaming about for the past year as the idea of, oh, we're going to regulate the big tech giants uh, gets to the fore. Of course, this is, no, we're going to cement the big tech giants monopoly. That's essentially what they're saying. Um, The other one of the other aspects of this EU copyright directive that passed earlier this year was the link tax. Which um, I mean, there's a lot of legal caveats to this, and it depends on which way each individual government implements it in their own legal codebook and blah blah blah. But the general idea it would be that uh, even to even to use a few words snippet from a headline or whatever of another uh, article on some website, you would have to pay for the privilege of doing that. Essentially breaking the internet. The yeah. idea of even hyperlinking to some other article by using the headline or something would be you'd have to actually pay for the privilege of doing that, which is nonsense and. Of course, is meant to basically eliminate independent journalism because all the big, the big journalist giant, you know, press publications would be able to create agreements among each other. Okay, we'll link to each other, blah blah blah. But anyone who tries to link to our content, whoa, no, you know, into the world they're going to have to pay us uh, big fines. So this is going to open the the doors for all sorts of craziness. Um, depending again how each state manages to min- implement it in their own laws, but it's uh, it's horrible and. The worst part is, as I was talking about with Glenn Moody in that conversation, is that uh, there was just a leaked document that a German website published about um, a new, it's not even a proposal at this point, but it's just a working paper that uh, the EU Commission is looking at called the EU Digital Services Act which would basically implement this in all the worst ways that people were talking about with the ZU copyright director. People kind of were like saying, oh, the- don't worry. It won't be so bad when it finally comes out. No, it's going to be even worse. It's going to apply to everything across the board, including ISPs. They're all going to be responsible for all content that goes through their pipes. Meaning, I, I, I love that when they the use the word as services, as
0: I just feel like, you know, it's kind of like the bull servicing the herd, you know,
1: yeah, here, here yeah, it
0: comes, yeah. you know, who <laughs> need yeah. our service. So I'm, well, this is, um, a big reason why we're doing what we're doing with your content and so on and making mm-hmm. it, and it was talked a lot, you know, quite a bit, of course, you know, there comes Ernie, you know, get your shots. You know, he's going to say IPFS, but it was, uh, I was approached a lot more this time and that was the difference because we had Dan Dix up there at Freedom Fest, Luke Radowski, Josh Seegerson John Simmons, uh, um, uh, a session, uh, and then we had um, uh, Tempa Choate doing a lot of the guys that use this kind of content, Free Talk Live. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of people that have intimate understanding of exactly what you're talking about. It's already happening. Yeah. So them, you know, this kind of, well, we got to get and Gary Franchi I had on today from Next News Network, good friend from the Love Loveolution back in 07. We've known each other a long time. I used to broadcast uh, the show when they had uh, shows on it. I did I think at least a two-hour broadcast for a long time, for a year or two. And this has been, all of a sudden, man, he shot up 1.2 million subscribers. He went Trump. And, man, here it comes. Last night. Yeah, I know. It's going to, well, we'll see what happens. But this is what happened last night. Last night, he gets um, up and uh, he has um, a, when he loads the YouTubes, he does a bunch a day, you know. And they have different segments for different things they do. He loads it up, and all of a sudden it says, "You must ask these questions eight. <laughs> so uh, the questions are: Does it depict any violent, you know, images? Does it do this? Does it do that? Does it? Does it? Does it? Does it? Does it? Does it is it conservative? Does it, you know, uh, do the progressive line of uh, we need some SJW? And if not, you know, then I'm afraid uh, you you know, we'll have to wait and see, or we look at it. Or so. so it started yesterday, and it was after he went to some big billionaire, you know, money, you know, alt media thing or something. After the deal at the White House with Trump, and he got mm. the he got to visit Trump and shake his hand and Sorry, picture with his wife. Billionaire alt media thing. It was, this was a, God, I I think he said Minnesota or Missouri or something. You know, he's from uh, Illinois. He's near Chicago, so it had not too far away from there. But he went with his father, his brother, his wife, and I think someone else. But they got, he got uh, Trump the Secret Service to say she doesn't have to be, you know, background check in 24 hour of last minute, you're not. And the president said, Get your wife over here. And the secret service says, Yes, I'm boss. You know, so she got to come up. It was a real touching moment the way he described it. They got their picture. They're all happy with Trump. And I'm going, Yeah. So, and he understands libertarian yeah. philosophy, mm. but it's, it's Trump and very good to Alt him. Media
1: with the president. <laughs> well, you know, if the mm. Trump,
0: I thought Trump was going to announce some alternative. I thought at some time, if he lost the election, I was guaranteeing there was going to be a Trump TV, you know? Well, he won the election, so it's called Trump Twitter, you know? But, you know, I'm I'm just wondering if he's going to, for the 2020 election cycle, they're going to use the force of Congress to make them open up the platform or some yeah. crap. Or from my perspective, I think you know.
1: Yeah, wouldn't it like? Wouldn't it be just perfect if if Trump t- said, "Okay, you know, Twitter, you're I don't like the way you're doing this. I'm going to go to Minds.com or whatever it is, and suddenly you know a million people flock flock over to this alt media platform." But again, I'm thinking like as if he actually wanted to disrupt the s- system. Uh, rather, than it, you, than you know,
0: yeah, I, I this is the argument that I have with Gary. I, you know, I, I did that you know, I need to know what America and great means, you know, I go, what, what America, America American, her interest, America, Inc., America, culture, America, borders, America, you know, what, you know, and then great and how big your mushroom cloud is or what. So, um, his whole thing has been that, yeah, well, it represents a disquietness of the status quo of out and he may not be perfect, but we're going in the right direction and comes from a good place in the heart of the people of we're going to kick ass. And I'm going, yeah, I can see that argument. But if you win, you get whatever it is that you want. I'm still ruled by the other side of the coin. You know, it's like, yo, you got better rulers now. Don't you feel better? <laughs> so that's what needs to be challenged, in my opinion.
1: Couldn't agree more. Absolutely.
0: That's it. Well, you know, we got some of the other stories here. You know, uh, I wanted to talk about, God, I mean, if I really don't want to talk about Iran unless you got something great and wonderful and we're not being manipulated and something we should talk about. Uh, yeah, no. You got nothing All right, all right, good. we can skip that one. Yeah, I saw what you're doing with uh, this information. Thanks for including me on that. Gaslighting. Um, I'm glad you did that because I kept hearing it a lot and I had to look it up and the history of it and the movie and what they do. But I keep seeing that more and more. It must be an effective technique. Can you explain that to the audience and uh, what your show is about?
1: I think the reason you're seeing it, well, okay, first let's just set the background for people that don't know. So Gaslight, uh, it comes from, I think it was originally a, 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 a play in like London, not like a Broadway play. but Long in time 1930s. ago, 100
0: years ago or something.
1: Well, yeah, I think it was 1930s. And then they made it into a British film in 1940, and then there was an American film in 41 or something like that. Right. Uh, people can look it up. But essentially it's a story about this guy who is manipulating this woman into believing that she is crazy. He'll do things, whatever it is, like hide an object on her and put it somewhere else and say, where did you put that thing? And she'll say, oh, I don't know. It was right here. No, it's over here now. What are you doing? And, and just little things like that, a little bit here, a little bit there, you to doubt leading yourself. her along until she starts to really believe she is crazy. And uh, and it's uh, basically as he's manipulating her for some diamonds she has or something. I can't remember the story. But anyway, he's trying to get some money out of her or something. Um but that, that idea, that te- technique, essentially, for manipulating people into believing that they are crazy by changing or manipulating or subtly altering their, their perceived reality and saying, no, no, you, you're seeing that wrong. You didn't see what you, you saw. You saw something different kind of thing. And getting people to be, essentially internalize that and start to believe that they are crazy is an interesting tactic that is employed. Uh, In the discussion that I had uh, six years ago now with Thomas Sheridan, um, we were talking about it in the sense of psychopaths and how they will manipulate people using techniques like this. But I I think that applies broadly in the political environment. And we talked about examples of that, again, in the context of 2013 when we had that conversation. But the reason I think you're hearing that more and more now is because after 2016 and all of that, the left suddenly picked up on this as, oh, this is what Trump is doing. And this is the whole, you know, like, oh, it's the biggest inauguration ever, even when they show the pictures and it wasn't the biggest inauguration ever. He's gaslighting us. That's so that's why it, it gained such currency and it's it gained currency on the left, essentially, as a kind of an anti-Trump thing.
0: Yeah. Just, just um, to round out the story, as I remember uh, in the play, it was trying to convince her that. Nobody changed the gas light, you know, it's kind of up high and then they, they turn it down. I didn't do it, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's where the gaslighting yeah, comes from. Right, but, that, yeah, but, right. the, but the concept is the same thing to get you to doubt yourself. And uh, once you doubt yourself and you got an authority figure with a stethoscope, a, a shiny badge, a hat, and a gun or something, you know, there you go, know, oh, well, heck, I, you know, I, I wasn't really that sure anyway. So I guess right. you win. Exactly. You, know?
1: you start to doubt yourself, and then the authority figure will tell you what reality right. is, whether you observe it or not, or whether you observe something completely different. You're crazy, so you have to listen to me.
0: I'm seeing so much more of it that um, I'm wondering something's coming. You know, it, 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 the economics is starting. To, are you do you pay attention to economics at all? Or
1: I do, and I, something something's always coming. <laughs> the question know, is just how far A-B-G-Bs. away it is. A-B-S. But uh, I will be writing in the forecaster this weekend about um, there's a confluence of stories about military drills and preparation, and the EU running some uh, joint mili- uh, maritime task force in the Gulf, uh, uh, the Persian Gulf, I think. Of course um and and these types of things it it seems to be something swirling in the air and i i I, i'm seeing that at the same time as i'm seeing jp morgan of all places coming out i think in the report they released in june saying death of the dollar which i've been talking about for years but you know jp morgan's now saying it and russia is issuing why would they say it a debt by 2021 there's just all these sort of economic collapse Kind of information that's coming. At the same time, there's all this swirling of military drills and activities. And I always put the two together because when the bottom because falls they out, they always of go point, together. That's the time. No, they, I like,
0: remember it was October. Um, I was in the late 80s and uh, the big stock market crash happened. We go into Gulf War one. We have uh, the dot com bubble bust. We have nine-eleven. We got uh, that, you know, uh, we're in war and then you got the housing thing happen. But all this stuff keeps getting pushed back. It gets pushed away, gets swept under the rug. It keeps, you know, they're closing the the closet door really fast. But sooner or later, it's going to overwhelm. And I was not surprised when Facebook came out with this Libra cryptocurrency thing. And it's going, I go, you know, they're going to basket of currency. Sounds just like an SDR. Special drawing rights thing. Here it comes. So here it comes. But. The Bitcoin and the uh, interview after uh, we spend our time tonight, right after I do two hours with Jimmy Song, you know, he's going to try and explain to me Bitcoin maximalism, why I'm going to, you know, get fixed and they're going to pick us and we're going to comply. And why Uh, you should never use any other coin. I know. I'm just like going, yeah, you're going to try to comply, but you're not going to be able to comply like they want to comply, you know? So I'm, uh, I'm thinking Bitcoin's going to be left out. I really do. I just, I don't see how they're going you can never be statist or anarchist enough.
1: Here's a stupid technical question I want you to ask, Jimmy, because I don't get it. Mm -hmm. When the mining dries up, because there will be no more Bitcoin mined after a certain point, right? Or, I mean, it starts to get less and less.
0: Well, it's it's a ways from now, but it's a
1: ways, but uh, the the amount that's going to be mined is, is decreasing. What is the incentive then to keep the network going for the, I mean, because right now fees. it is the miners mining that keeps the network going. So what is the incentive once that is gone? Why? I mean, how will the network function after that point? Or will, I mean, I, I'm assuming the answer is fees. Because right. then it'll cost, you know, a $1,000 to send a $1,001 worth of Bitcoin or whatever. Because that, that'll be the only way that people will make any money out of the system.
0: I'm putting on here, what is incentive after mining reward ends? James Corbett. All right. So I, I'll, I'll get an answer from him. pinky right. swear, you know, this yeah. is, but I've heard this stuff before. I talked to these guys and, um, Jimmy's song, uh, should, you know, I assume he's coming on. I mean, he confirmed. I'm just, I've, I'm like, okay, you want another bite of the apple? Let's do it, man. No commercial interruptions. And you explain it to me. And, um, it's, you know, tone Vase, Vase when he comes on, he's a good friend, but he's a Bitcoin maximalist. And he goes, the smartest guys, the smartest guys. Well, this is who he's talking about so i'm like all right bring on the smartest guy well he was on for an hour during the live show and he wasn't able to convince me so he wanted another crack at it and i'm going all right we'll bring it on you know he seem like a nice enough guy we got along fine we get some information but i can feel when i'm being you know campaigned for lack of a better term and the campaign is for whom and for what and i i'm not quite sure yet what bitcoin wants to be and it seems like they want to go off chain to be able to give it its scaling ability yeah and that yeah, is the yeah, yeah you know, Don't know your worry that it's, that you can't
1: actually use it we'll we'll create a lightning or you know some sort of second secondary layer which by the way will all be kyc and you'll have to give all your information and everything will be completely secure. but that's don't worry yeah. about that i mean what you want to actually buy things with bitcoin <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah.
0: i go you know i need bubblegum money and and that Why? came that, that that came that came from tone. He goes, "What do you want? bubblegum money?" I go, "Hell yes. yeah! That's exactly what I want. Yes, please." So so it's 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 going to be an interesting conversation. But I tell you, all of the conferences and everything I've gone to, and I see a lot of the Bitcoin guys and they yak it and do whatever and media and stuff. And um, it seems like privacy is not an issue anymore. Certainly not with Bitcoin. Not with Jimmy. You know, he's like, no, it's uh, uh, the 21 million of that's all you're going to have. And that's what we need. And, you know, and if you don't have that, you don't have nothing. That's the only it's thing. It's inflationary,
1: therefore, it's perfect.
0: That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's their claim to fame. And I'm going, well, there's others that do that. Nope, nope. Weren't around first. Don't have the longest chain of the blah, 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 blah. And one thing I didn't press him on, I will a little bit more, is understanding of uh, quantum computing. And it is like, you know, boom, it's broke. You're gonna to have to quantum tie up of something something. I'm so we'll talk about that. That'll be interesting.
1: But what do you yeah, think Andreas is Andreas on? I'm more interested in what he has to say.
0: I'm sorry, who? Andreas? Andreas Antonov. <clears throat> um we <clears throat> used to have Andreas on, on a regular basis, but I was critical of uh we're still friendly, you know, but I was critical of him for the same reason.
1: Yeah.
0: That they were so Bitcoin I don't think he's so Bitcoin maximalist anymore, but you know they're so. big oh, wrote coins. a
1: he wrote a book on Ethereum and I, I I guess he got a lot of flack from that from people. Why really? are you pipping Ethereum? <laughs> See,
0: I'm telling you, man, it's a it's a thing. If you don't go the maximalist route, you I, they they deplatform you, <laughs> and and Reddit and everything else. I don't know. You know, it seems like that, and I that's one of the parts of our conversation was why is there such animosity between competition from a decentralized supposed to be competition. You know, for the monetary, I, I don't understand that philosophy because they have some kind of vested interest in something, and I and I'm wondering with whom. And I think that they counted on something from the system, the banking system, that's not going to be there because they're not going to be able to be compliant enough. And when the Libra comes in with I don't know half or probably more than half of the dollar, and then a little bit of euro, and a little bit of this, and maybe they'll sprinkle some gold on it or something like that, and they'll call it boom. It is you know, super currency or something. And then do you think uh, countries like Russia, China, or whatever, they'll create their own or will they allow it?
1: Uh, Well, they're already creating their own. Mm -hmm. I I saw that headline um, from like CoinTelegraph or CCN or somewhere that said, uh, in the wake of Libra, you know, China is creating its own digital currency. But I'm like, no, they've been creating it for years. I've been writing about they're they're prepping the digital. Vitalik
0: Buterin from uh, Ethereum was meeting with Putin.
1: Yep. Did, you see, did you see that one? I think I did, yeah. I know,
0: something like that, and I'm going, yep, mm-hmm. here we go. So I'm, I'm seeing decentralization. Yeah, it's coming,
1: it's coming. Um, and this actually goes back to what we were talking about before with the whole EU copyright directive and everything. We are starting to see the segmentation of the internet, and that's going to play out in the segmentation of, I, I won't even call it cryptocurrency, <laughs> digital currencies. There will be national digital currencies. <clears throat> that is where this is headed.
0: Well, what do you think of Maduro doing? He had the Petro, and then I just didn't hear about it anymore. It's like yeah, you know, even maybe, why.
1: <laughs> well, you got to uh, pay taxes this,
0: in it. You got, I mean, they're really pushing it. But if it's if it wasn't working or they weren't using it or something, they would be touting the crap out of that. And I'm wondering, you know, why there is it working? Not, I don't know.
1: Uh, uh, you know, I haven't checked on it lately, but I did write an article about it for The Forecaster when it first came out February 2018. Venezuela's new cryptocurrency is a scam, where I underlined the point that they, they said, oh, this is backed by oil, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wrote about the details of that in that article so people can go through that. But yeah, no,
0: it's... it's Does it say anything about it not being inflationary? I, I'm just curious if they, you know, we're not going we're not going to be able to print any more than an X amount or something.
1: Uh, da, 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 da. the government reacted. To the, I gotta reread my own writing here. Um,
0: nah, it's not that big of a deal. practice uh, does-
1: is hoping to raise five billion dollars U.S. from the initial sale of Petro to- tokens, and if the first day of presale is anything to go by, they're off to a good start. Seven hundred thirty-five million dollars start. Wow. Um, from Petro's white white paper, Petro will be a sovereign crypto asset backed by oil assets and issued by the Boliv- Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela on a blockchain platform. Its launch will spearhead the promotion of independent, transparent, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, So what exactly does backed by oil assets mean, then? Well, as the very next section of the white paper makes clear, it means absolutely nothing. It, the petro, may be used to purchase goods or services and will be redeemable for fiat money and other crypto assets or cryptocurrencies through digital exchange houses. Ah, so this crypto asset is backed by oil assets and redeemable in... Fiat and other crypto assets yeah. <laughs> I want my oil damn it <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. it's yeah it's all just hand wavy nonsense oh it's tied to the the index the uh, the oil index and you know that's the way we're calling it backed to by oil but it, it' there's no physical oil physically backing well.
0: yeah I mean it's not like a federal Reserve silver certificate you're showing up and getting your bucket of oil you know so I'm all right all right all right I'm, I'm you know, some of the the wars, are, a lot of the war talk has been, you know, Israel, Syria, Iran, 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 Iran North Korea, Iran, and Russia and China buzzing South Korea, you know, Iran. So I'm, I, I. You think China is going to be making a move into the South China Sea and this Taiwan thing? Is that some kind of pressure? Uh, how about to put Hong on Kong?
1: Somebody? I might be first on the agenda. Ah. So I just, heard, I just read the headline. I didn't see it, but apparently China is now um, saying you know, basically the unrest in Hong Kong has to stop soon or, or dot, dot, dot. Um, you know, there's
0: a project we're working on. Um, uh, uh, God, uh, Paul Anthony, um, uh, uh, Anthony Peters. And he is a uh, young man that used to be with fully informed jury so- association. I don't know. He may, may still be executive director or something, Fiji.org, And, uh, he's an actor and he did a movie called tank man. Have you ever seen this? Just recently, as a documentary. Uh, no,
1: no, no, no. It's yet.
0: called Tank Man about the Tiananmen Square guy with the tank. I mean, you know, with the bag standing in front of the tank. And it's just a 20-minute short film that follows him from him waking up in the morning, you know, and his wife and kid and parents and what was going on around him. It's just a, uh, you know, a dramatized version of what that guy's day yeah. might have been like. And it's very powerful. It's short and it just, they went and showed it at Pork Fest. They showed it at some other stuff. And then they went to Hong Kong a couple of weeks ago. They were there during uh, some of the protests. They're showing it to people. They go, I go, you know, sounds like you need a lot of DVDs. <laughs> so
1: really but Ernie think about what you're saying so here's a completely fictional account about this guy that we don't know but his day might have been something like this and why are we putting this together this is propaganda
0: this is propaganda oh of course it was propaganda you know this is propaganda like you wouldn't believe propaganda it's just you know give you know because around this scene nobody knows you know who he was no one
1: knows knows what happened but around it it, it,
0: they kind of have you know what was happening and the biggest problem is there's a Museum in Hong Kong that people go to to see. You know they have some of this stuff, or some. Of course, they want to shut that down because in China, Tiananmen Square thing, it's it's scrub. It's like forgotten new speak of its you know memory hold of Watson. It's gone. They don't right. know anything about it. Another generation, it's thirty years, and they don't know what the hell right. you're talking about.
1: Okay, but 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 Ernie, I have a homework assignment for you. When we're done here, go and read my recent article: "The Truth About Tiananmen." Uh. Um, because the story that we have been told about Tiananmen is demonstrably wrong, and that's not conjecture or theory or conspiracy or whatever. Like, the BBC reporter who filed the report on that night said, yes, we got things wrong, and it wasn't, but that now they won't connect, correct the record, and and uh, the the ambassadors, we have the the leaked cables and all of that that show that what what was reported was not what happened. I'm uh, I'm not at all saying there was no there was no government crackdown or anything, but the the massacre on the square and all of that is not true. Really, not true. Um, in the square itself, and the, the idea they came in guns blazing, it didn't happen that way. And we got that from multiple sources, including American ambassador and BBC reporter and others. Um, so the real question is,
0: yeah. You, uh, did, you know, it didn't get into the actual massacre and the tanks and running over. It was up to the point that he was standing there with the bags and that was over. Right. So okay. I I don't think they tried to uh, get into.
1: Now, but here's, here's the point of this. I mean, it's a messier story than what we're fed because we're fed, you know, this brave, valiant uprising and they came in guns blazing and killed them all kind of thing the kind of cartoon version of history. Now, there was an uprising that was going on in 89. And there was spontane- There was a real, there were reasons for that, and there was a context for it. But I defy you, and I'm not putting you, but Ernest Hancock, but I mean anyone in the audience. I defy you to tell me what that uprising was about. Who was it led by? What were their demands? What were they talking about at that well, time? Well, I did, I did
0: see, I mean, this isn't any better, but I did see the the PBS documentary on Tiananmen so i'm fully informed now but the <laughs> but uh, so i kind of got an idea a little bit of the history and so on at least what they're trying to tell me yeah. so i because at the time i was a young man you know just uh, had a young family and so on and this was going on this is at the uh, god what year was that 89 what year was Tiananmen? 89. 19- uh, yeah, 89. Yeah, so was
1: just the 30th anniversary.
0: So, so in 89, um, I'm what? I'm 29, 30 years old, had a young family, just starting to get into political whatever the hell. And how were they communicating? It was fax machines. And, of course, they'd leak out film and video and whatever, you know, from uh, whatever equipment that they had. It was, you know china they had some technology but um, uh it was fax machines that this stuff got out and how it fed to us as activists and so on and where you'd go and get the information and so on so there's so many hops that it's like the telephone game you know you, you don't yeah. really know what happens and you know truth yeah. gets built on that and you got people lying before congress let's go to war so yeah. i'm i i like the technology that we have now and things like what you do to where we yeah. can get a good understanding of this
1: right Actually, that's such a good point, because it was a technological revolution that helped to foster this thing that was going on, that helped to bring about the end of this regime, at least in the U.S.S.R. and China played out differently. But I think we still, there are very important lessons that we have to learn, or at least we have to, to come to a better understanding of what was happening, because, I mean, just as an example of something from my Truth About Tiananmen Square article that people might not know about, I mean, Guess who opened two offices in China in 1988, the year before this spontaneous student uprising, to give regular seminars on democracy, sponsor select Chinese writers and publications, and recruit Chinese uh, students in the U.S.?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm okay, sure you, I'm if not going to be surprised. Guess, there's
1: three letters involved. I'm the sorry? Oh, uh, the-, the CIA? Yeah, basically NED, right. but yeah, the CIA. All the right. National Endowment for Democracy open to offices. Right, which, you know, it's guess who was in guess who was the voice of this revolution as it was happening? It was VOA, the voice of America, whose Beijing chief, who was a CIA operative, of course, admitted, on the record, provided encouragement, provocation, strategic guidance, and tactical advice in round-the-clock broadcasts as this was playing out. Of course. I mean, and so this is this is where there is ambiguity and and we have to sort of step well, back. Well, they
0: told think, the soldiers uh, that was one of the things that was in one of the documentaries I watched that they told the soldiers that it was foreign um uh involvement and infiltration yeah. of their country of blah yeah. blah blah. And here's the out. thing, here's the thing.
1: What if that's true, or at least partially uh-huh. true? Does does that invalidate the uprising and the protests, because this is exactly what's playing out with Hong Kong right now. There are people in Hong Kong who are very concerned about China and Beijing and encroachment on the Hong Kong supposedly autonomous region, and 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 who are rightfully it's always the young students that we do don't want to be part of the Chinese government, but. That those people are clearly being helped and funded yeah. and promoted and organized. It's always by the student interests.
0: And, uh, so, and here, when you have the SJW things, or in some university, and somebody's you know articulating and put, it, do you even go here? Are you a student here? Yeah. You know that kind of thing. So I'm sure it happens. I mean, if it's worked once well, and a hundred times, it'll work hundred and one. You know.
1: Here's the question for us because we care about freedom. That's, that's the team we're on, right? We're not on team blue, team red, all that right. nonsense. We are about freedom. So freedom, uprisings, anywhere in the world, anytime, yes. Okay, on board. You are. You should be against your government and should be trying to free yourselves from those shackles. But what if that, that is being used as a pawn, as, a, as part of a chess game that's being wielded by bigger powers like the U.S. and China and whoever? You
0: need to change as, the as color of your chess. shackles
1: exactly there's a bigger thing that's going on here so so what what does that make my position i am on board with the people of hong kong saying giving a big middle finger to china yes of course but i don't want that to mean then that the u.s is going to use hong kong as as kind of a you know we went
0: through process. this with the right. um the uh god what i want to say the purple the lavender the uh, arab spring okay there's always yeah. a color yeah, in yeah, there yeah. somewhere arab arab spring And uh, when we saw the Muslim Brotherhood take over in the uh, first elections in Egypt, in uh, Cairo, you're going, yeah, who really just won this thing? Who's really doing who's 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 who's? And it's just the people you could tell immediately from the beginning that whatever dissatisfaction they had and directed towards whatever was hijacked. It's always hijacked. There's always somebody ready to jump in front of the parade and say "Tara, and we're here. And oh, by the way, we got some money. How many printers and fax machines do you need? So, if you, wherever the money comes from or the guy that's got the resources, you just want to scratch the surface and see where they come from.
1: Everywhere. Here. Yeah. No, that's exactly right, and and so. I, I, I'm not sure I have a definitive answer to this because I am on the side of freedom fighters and people who genuinely want freedom, but I know that that can be used as a weapon against enemies on, in a kind of proxy war thing. So it complicates the matter. Um, but I, I again, I do not want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And there are, I mean, the Hong Kong people have a legitimate concern about Beijing and its encroachment. So what, you know, what's yeah, they, my... Yeah, you know, the fact that... It, the, what, why should I have... Why should my position matter at all? I'm a Canadian in Japan. What on earth do I have to say about what's happening in Hong Kong, right? where do where does where does our agency come into this?
0: You know, well my thing is is that it's it's a I, I can't get free if I don't advocate and work for it for everybody. I, it's just not really gonna happen. That doesn't yeah. sure as hell doesn't mean I need to pass a law and vote and have a war to spend your money to go do whatever the heck I want. If I wanna yeah. do it, I'll burn some DVDs. You know, yeah. we did for uh, for um, Terrier Square. You know, we yeah. had a whole bunch of uh, yeah. philosophy of liberty on DV, Thousands of them. We put in. Boom.
1: excuse to spread you know? the word. Spread the word. Yeah.
0: yeah. So so do it. You know, yeah. I know you go vote my kid to go over and fight your whatever the hell.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. This is one of those tactical points that I, you know, tactical strategy, blah blah blah. I, I, I'm more interested in the big picture, but this is important. Can you have freedom? in pockets, in isolation here and there that then starts to spread out and grow? Or does it have to be all at once? And if it has to be all at once, then it has to be kind of this worldwide consciousness resol- revolution that will be generations down the road.
0: It's just opinion. I don't know.
1: I don't know if that's the
0: I'm telling you, James, I am so convinced it's just general public opinion. And that's where yeah. your power comes from. You know, it's yeah. just, you know, I have an opinion that... Pfft, government sucks freedom good government bad 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 I got a whole bunch of bads okay so if you have that opinion and you have it backed by a bunch of evidence that you yourself or things you know about or had explained to you or you could see how much better a life you would have without you know these kinds of controls and so on I just I just think that people are going to come to that opinion as things get worse. And it's going to get worse. There's going to be more consternation, more separation, more dividing, more divide and conquer, more more controls, more economic controls, banking controls, uh, uh, medicine, health, insurance. I mean, it's just it, it, it's like a, there's a whale carcass. And there's only bone left, and you got all these great whites circling, beating the crap out. It's done. I don't want to be the whale carcass. I don't want to go down with the ship. You know, make a raft out of doors or something. I mean, you know, just get get off. And and a lot of times, all you gotta do is just turn your back and just go. You know, let me know how it works out. And uh, matter of fact, we got some friends visiting now from uh, Peru. You know, they came up and they're like, "Look, man, we're looking for land." (laughs) So so they're you know in there with Donna right now. You know, there, there's people, there's things, people are concerned, but I don't think they're afraid if you're of a freedom mindset. I saw Freedom Fest, fear, 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 fear. It was, oh my God, we're going to get, the day after on Sunday was a Narco Vegas. It was, you know, it was awesome. These are, And I did the same thing with, with Narcozona and Narco Poco. They got a Narco now in Philadelphia coming up. And it was a totally different atmosphere. They're bright they're happy they're satisfied but they aren't tied to the ship going down they're just like look we wish we could help our family more people but you know i we see what's coming and we'll be okay
1: so that yeah, positive so attitude bizarre, I'm isn't good about. It, that people get so worked up about who's going to be the the captain of the Titanic. Right. I want my person to be the captain of the Titanic. No, I want it. Meanwhile, the ship is going down. The, there's not going to be a ship very soon. Why do you guys squabble about this? They always so want to save the ship. They don't give a crap about yeah, the people. Yeah, that's the thing. It, you ima- it, it really is. It's like it, it, okay, everybody, if everybody jumps off the ship, we can save the ship. <laughs> right.
0: Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's so, it's
1: so stupid.
0: Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm the future. It looks to me like, uh, there's something developing in Washington with, uh, if they get past this Mueller Russia gate. I watched maybe five minutes of the Mueller thing. He didn't come off very well. I, I, I don't know if he wrote it. He, he just signed off on the bottom line of you do the work and I'll say something. I, I don't know how there he is or I don't care you know it doesn't matter there were so many hypocritical things that happened that i'm thinking after well will this ever settle will they stop this russia gate kind of you didn't I, I they have to while they're doing all these pedophile arrests all this stuff's coming out the jeffrey epstein thing what what's your view on uh, that tragedy
1: Uh, well, I mean, it is good that something is happening and that wheels are turning. Uh, again, I'm not holding my breath for everything to come out, but I'm not going to be the cynical guy on the side saying, well, nothing will ever come out. So who cares? I mean, no, something is happening. And at the very least, I I think at the very least, this might be a factional fight, you know, between the big, the big boys, the elites, whatever. Well, at least that means some big elite boy blood will be spilled. Oh, I know. I know
0: you got, I'd be surprised if you don't know this. Um. Who is the prosecuting attorney on uh, Jeffrey Epstein?
1: Uh, It is Comey's daughter.
0: Yeah! Sure can stuff up. i not
1: prosecutor involved, but she's one of them.
0: Whatever, you know. I mean, yeah. it's just, ew. You know, it's just so yeah. ew. I, yeah, it's see, see this the credibility. Family. It's like, See, this one, we've talked about this before. I've gone in the future, certainly in journalism or media or any of the stuff that we do, Uh, it's going to come down to credibility. It's going to, you know, who do you, uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine that, James Corbett is going to put something out that he knowingly knew was false and hell, and he makes sure he knows it ain't, okay? So, I mean, like Tiananmen, if I wrote an article, I would actually, you know, Like, study it more. But, you know, the thing is, is that I'm looking at who has the credibility, who does the background, who does the research, who's the one that's able to share and you have understanding. Because a lot of this stuff is contextual and a lot of people don't take the time to do that. And James does.
1: You know, that's such an important point. Okay, first of all, thank you, but I'm not God. And I make mistakes and I have my own views and bi- biases and views. You know, points, I w- so wait, wait a not, minute, D-
0: James, I want to say this. There is, you know, of course, you're not a guy, you're a guy out there. But, you know, it. And I wouldn't even think that there's that rare, I mean, it, had, but the, it takes a rare combination of someone with the talent, the language skills, the ability, the desire, the interest, the curiosity to be able to go and even have the, the principles to go for the truth. That has been driven out of journalism. It has been a stampede of cattle prod and get all of the James Corbett's out. Of course it was going to be alternative media. They're not anywhere else. It's James. He it a great example of this, and I love holding you up as an example because I need one. There's not who else. You know what I mean? There's some guys out there that we support and so on, but you understand my point,
1: right? I do. Unfortunately. Yeah. I look at it from the perspective uh, I I tell this story sometimes. I remember it must have been 2000 it must have been 2008 because it was around the time of the Lehman collapse thing and all of that nonsense that was going on. And uh I re- I remember there was an interview John Stewart did with uh, uh Kramer. What's his name? Jim Kramer? Crazy coked up uh mad money guy. Oh um
0: um yeah, mad money with all the sound effects yeah, yeah, yeah. uh Jim Kramer.
1: Yeah, Jim Cramer. Yeah. and so John Stewart was having this Jim Cramer conversation, and I remember watching that, and it was, it was good enough. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, here's someone who's actually really asking questions and really folding this guy's feet to the fire, and really bringing up some important I issues. That and I remember at that time thinking, you know what? If this was just the general level of discourse on mainstream TV, I probably wouldn't even feel compelled to be doing what I'm right. doing it's because this is such a rare example of people having a real conversation about important issues. And of course, you know, it was within a certain controlled context and all blah, blah, blah. But if it was even just that much, I probably wouldn't even be compelled. You know, to what, I
0: re- I do. what I remember about that interview was that Jim Cramer, Cramer um, uh, laughing it off. Yeah, well, we're here to, that's he lost a billion dollars. I, you know, I do my job. <laughs> you know what I'm going? You know, he knows what role he's playing. And he was out there like like he was a a Carney Barker along with John Stewart, you know, just entertaining mm. the people. And he goes, yeah. yeah, I entertain them; they lose a lot of money. Not my problem, you know, because he's just
1: Stewart Liebowitz, of course, the brother of uh, the guy who was the the head of the New York Stock Exchange. Clearly, doesn't have clean hands in any of this, uh, let alone his nine eleven cover up and all of that. So, uh, I'm not I'm not venerating John Stewart, but I'm just saying it's only because of the perspective, absolute deplorable state of the conversation that is held up as the mainstream acceptable allowable conversation that I felt I couldn't do anything other than come out and try to do it myself because it's just so horrible what is no what,
0: what, I know the exact same feeling that's how I got involved in all of this in the beginning I was looking for someone to help I, I, you know, did the candidate thing. I went and talked to people. I even talked to friends from high school and college. And I just like, look, somebody needs, this is a bad, I mean, does anybody kind of, I really didn't cause I'm not, you know, I, no, not me. You know I mean? If you listen to what I got to say, you know, you got issues, but you know, my thing was, which is why I make an effort not to be a liar you know not to tell a falsehood uncovered the secrets exposing the lies because that's what i wanted and needed but you couldn't find it anywhere it was the libertarians it was early in the 90s the libertarians going yeah didn't you get the memo this is how government works this is how i'm like wow i got a lesson in like 3 months man boom yeah. i'm like okay i yeah. get it
1: you know what you bring up such an important point we need models for a better type of conversation and a better type of way of presenting information, because our models are all based on these stupid clown carnival barker type personalities that come out. I know everything. I'm the best. Here's the information. If you don't like me, you're one of those evil scum, blah, blah, blah. That's the type of thing that passes for conversation increasingly, especially on the clickbaity internet. We need more models of people saying, here's what I've got. This is my information. Here's the way I put it together. Here's the limits of what I know and what what I think I know. And here's why I think I know it. Now, what do you guys think? we need to model that conversation alone just so people understand that is how we come to a better understanding not this stupid yeah. bravado chest-thumping carnival barker nonsense did you see are- the
0: john stewart interview he did on crossfire with tucker and um uh, yep, yep yep that was awesome
1: yeah, I, I, that I was mean, good, too. Yeah.
0: That was a turning point. It was yeah. just...
1: And know, I I already know, I can tell that people uh, listening to this conversation in my comment section are going to be like, "John Stewart's a piece of garbage. No, 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 no. Yeah, he is. Go, yeah, that's go, absolutely right. But go, he did have some really good pieces of... Uh, oh, there. this is
0: awesome. You do yeah. John Stewart, Crossfire, Tucker video, it'll come up. And it was John Stewart going on Crossfire and they're giving him crap about, you know, not doing the news right. And he goes... My show is, is the show leading into my show is crank calling puppets. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm the you're, you're comparing me to news. I mean, you know, so I thought it was interesting in how he looked at the news and he would say things like um, it's just entertainment. You know, it's both sides. It's just so bad. We're kind of against the whole system. And Crossfire was canceled very soon after that. He just devastated them. Then he went on to do the Oscars, and he laid down. He had an opportunity to do some ass whipping, and he laid down. I was very disappointed. And then at the same time was when Stephen Colbert did the White House correspondence dinner. Have you seen that?
1: I did. I referenced that recently because there's a joke in there that I still remember um, where he talked about George Bush is a man of consistency. You always know what you're going to get with him. He believes the same thing that he believed on, on Monday, on Wednesday, no matter what happened on Tuesday, <laughs> which I think is a great joke.
0: <laughs> it was, it was, you know, I really encourage people to, to give you a context of the Bush administration. This was before, this was like um Oh, 05, 06, before the revolution and everything is like, is anybody going to challenge this Bush administration? Is there anybody? And then it was like Superman. This is where Corbert got his launch, man. He went stratosphere after this. And, uh, John Stewart kind of laid down in the Oscars to give him this chance to speak at the, it was the white house correspondence dinner. And it was the one where Bush had the double, you know, they were both, you know, like he's, his conscience was talking, you know, that kind of thing. So that, White House Correspondence Dinner with um, uh, John Stewart, J-O-N, I'm telling you, you would be shocked at how creative they were in bashing the yeah. Bush administration. It was yeah. amazing they got away with this. Now, Laura and George weren't
1: happy about Colbert, it. Yeah, Colbert yeah. used to be, again, incredibly good at times because he would mock the, the kind of right-wing position, but he actually took that position in his fake interview things and and made actually compelling arguments uh, against some of his uh, against what you know he actually believed but he would sometimes take the strongest argument against yep. what he was believing and put it to his guests yeah because he played a throw- the
0: conservative he was like you know doing the conservative thing he yeah. hammered and on now, Scalia that, he hammered then, on the generals it was amazing but,
1: but Compare all of that to the current context where now it's uh, Colbert making jokes about Trump being Putin's cockpuster. Yeah, they sold out. Right. All these guys are sellouts, and then when you, you had— And Stewart uh, with the parading on the corpses of the 9-11 responders as if he's some sort of hero of 9-11 truth or something when he's been instrumental in the cover-up of 9-11. So I'm not venerating these people, but there are specific examples we can point to of saying, you know, that was— compelling media that was the type of conversation that if it was modeled more widely yeah it was it the kind of happened. journalism
0: that i would hope to see right. when the opportunity something creative instead of this yeah. you know cnm what's his jerk with the book of who i
1: don't care um you know what it comes down to just some tiny bit of skill. self-awareness just tiny <laughs> bit of honesty even just a little bit of uh, you know this is this is stupid this is it's embraced this is, this is nonsense calling out what it is that we all plainly see and understand, but instead everyone plays into it and does the chest thumping. I'm I'm right and I'm gonna rage against you, outrage, and it's all just wrestling soap opera nonsense. And we know it. We all know it. Everyone who's participating in it knows it. Everyone who's watching it knows it. But we like the show, so we go along with it. And it, it, it self generates. Then it becomes real thing where yeah, real- that's
0: that's not what I'm you know, the one thing I, I don't want to leave the audience on the idea that, you know, uh, the laughter, these guys have great wonderful so that's not the point my point is is that good journalism is good journalism you may not agree with uh, Glenn Greenwald about a lot of the stuff and all the crap that he done and everything I'm just somebody somebody asked a freaking hard question you know somebody do that if they would do that you know I would be happy and it, it I, I'm waiting on that and we have so many good examples such as James Corbett here but those are the ones that are deplatformed, pushed down, and you're not allowed, and you can't, and you're competing, and uh, not you. And I'm going, This I'm wondering how this plays out. And I'm working towards what I think the solution is, the decentralization of media. And, yeah. oh, before I let you go, yeah, Jimmy Song's on. Yeah, hold on, Jimmy. We'll get right to you. You know, I tell you, this is the one thing. I got to tell you this. I go up to Freedom Fest. They have a... Um, a uh, stand there. And you go, hey, Ernie, how you doing? It was a Politico that I know she married a uh, former attorney general here in Arizona and she was there pimping this app. Feed me dot uh, something. You know, it's feed me. Okay. What it was, it's an app that they want all the, you know, Republican good Trump support and you should be on conservative of we got our own kind of a phone app. And it was like Facebook, you know, this app that you got to pick all the feeds that you wanted and you would vote up and vote down these different stories. And she goes, and I go, you know what? I guarantee it's got a I totally agree button, okay? And it's going to take all of the time. Oh, yeah, but that's for advertising. So you, you get the right advertisements. You get the right stories. Everyone, I go, yeah, but every time I hit up or down, I guarantee they're tracking that. You know, I want to know who's making the money on this. You know, who presented this? Who, of course, they clammed up. Now, we'll get them to come on the show, and we'll talk about it. But I can see it's all about databases. It always was. It always will be. And all of these things, you know, vote for bombing or not bombing here. What They just want your email. This is just amazing. It's going to be a database election in 2020. And they're setting up all the pirate networks and, you know, mapping them out for everybody, and they think they're private, and they're not. You know, so I 2020, before you go, give us a prediction how you think this is going to start playing out and what do you think both sides are going to do, vote for us.
1: I think it's the most important election of your lifetime. So Absolutely. You better vote, vote lever. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, I don't know how it's going to play out. It's going to be a complete... Uh, I I don't know how to say it other than shit show. Am I allowed to say that? Anyway. I don't
0: care. It's on the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be horrible nonsense, and it'll be great for people who want to make money off of analyzing it or whatever, but I don't want any part of it. So I'm going to do my best to not talk about the 2020 election to the extent that that's possible.
0: You know, I'm with you, brother. I just, I'm, I'm, I, I, we, we have a lot of fun with it. We do the Trump Report with Dr. Oh, oh, and Dr. Frank and Gary Franchi on today doing, they were just having them a love fest, man. There was all kinds of spit being swapped there, you know. It was good. But, you know, I'm uh, it, it's entertainment. I can keep it that way, and we get some truth out there, and I make sure that everything that James says is featured on Freedom's Phoenix, and we save it on IPFS along with some other quality content so it never goes away. James, uh, go ahead and get out your website and, you know, some information contact Jim B. Co.
1: CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T-Report.com. That's the one-stop shop, and uh, everything that's worth seeing is linked from there. So uh, thank you for helping to preserve that. I cannot stress enough how important that is, and you know it, but I hope the audience knows it.
0: Yeah, no, we're uh, pleased, and it's a pleasure to do it. Thanks, uh, James. We'll see you next week, man. All
1: right. Take care. Bye-bye.